welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, um, post COVID, COVID. Yeah, it's, 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 it hasn't actually gone anywhere, COVID. Uh, we've just forgotten about it. Th- speaking of forgetting about things, have we forgotten about uh, the woman who used to be in charge of the country? Uh, 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 oh, it'll come to me. The name will come to me. Um, fossil fuel reality. A bit more of that. Mike loves this. Um, and he also loves fast cars. So we'll finish with a fa- very fast car at the end of the pod. Uh, but uh, let's not drive too fast or uh, it'll affect the road toll. Now, listen, I pray that somewhere, somewhere in the departments that waste so much of our money, Someone somewhere has the spine to stand up and tell the rest of the plonkers that what they're doing doesn't work. Julianne Genter, let me take you down memory lane. Julianne Genter, back in another government when they gave a portfolio, came up with the road to zero. That alone was one of the stupidest ideas going for the very simple reason it set you up for immediate failure. As much as she might have liked to have argued it was aspirational, more realistically it was unobtainable and everyone knew it. And for every year since, the road toll of course hasn't been zero and more worryingly nowhere close to it. In fact, it's getting worse. It's getting worse for a couple of, I would have thought, astonishingly obvious reasons. One, we have more cars than ever. Two, our roads are rubbish. Surely the weather of late has exposed that. Look at where the carnage is. It's not on the Waikato Expressway or the multi-lane highways, it's on the goat tracks. They insist on calling State Highway one outside the main centres. Three, the idiots behind the wheel. The combination is all you need to know as to why we are where we are, and as such, no amount of advertising and pleading changes anything, and therefore you can quickly conclude that the 60-plus million dollars we're spending so far is wasted, and wasted at a time when we can least afford it. Reminding people about speed and seatbelts and driving drunk is only applicable to the sort of fool who isn't susceptible to being told what to do. Those who are, are already doing it. I'm sure deep within the ad agencies they genuinely believe their latest piece of creative genius is the one to crack the code. And to be honest, if the government were writing the sort of checks they are, what fool turns that sort of money down? Which is why we need leadership. Someone at the highest level needs to break the ideology that spending other people's money for the sake of it makes some sort of difference when it can be shown it doesn't. Michael Wood clearly isn't that man, of course. He defends this nonsense. He inherited a mad idea and ran with it. If you rounded up the hundreds of millions, if not billions, that has been spent these past five to six years on nonsense, we wouldn't be talking about a tax for the clean-up, would we? We're only short of money because we wasted it. Yeah, I've never really understood why, why Mike is so angry about trying to get the road toll down. If we can get it down a bit, any amount, that'd be good. Um... I, I did kind of understand why he was angry about the way uh, COVID was uh, reported, dealt with, um, investigated. I, I, I get all that. Now, with the news from the US Energy Department that COVID likely leaked from the lab, what can we say about the COVID period? Well, let's assume the department is right, and we don't know they are. In fact, they don't know they are. They just think they are moderately confident. That's their word, not mine. Moderately confident. Now, the good news, if they are right is it's a mistake. It was a mistake. In other words, it wasn't deliberate on the bah- on the part of the Chinese, so we can put to bed some of the conspiracy nonsense about the Chinese being out to get us. It's also good in the sense that the Wuhan market and its spread from animal to human wasn't an event we lost control of. Now, you'll remember at the start of COVID, there was this astonishment that China, despite their past problems with markets like that and attempts allegedly to clean up such practices, clearly hadn't, and we were asking for trouble. Uh, There are clearly some things we will never know, of course, and in the not knowing, I think, is the real scandal. Now, the Chinese have not cooperated, and we clearly have no global mechanism to make them cooperate, and it would appear that's 
just the way it is. The WHO, they had a crack that was widely condemned in terms of effectiveness, so they had another crack which then went nowhere and last week they closed it all down, they basically gave up. That doesn't help their already suspect reputation in terms of their relationship with China and its influence. But then, the bigger question. Short of curiosity, do we care anymore? Do we care? If you ever want an example of how a world can put something behind it, and with alarming speed, COVID is your case study. We released a new booster last week to minimal coverage and I suspect even less uptake. The weekly figures on who's got a new dose of it, and they were out yesterday, and who dies of it no longer carries any weight at all, and the concern it once did has fallen off a cliff, apparently. I once got admonished in the middle of COVID by the alarmed, and there were so many alarmed for suggesting early on that older people who passed away most likely died of whatever it was they had outside of COVID. I was callous, apparently. Callous. I was also right, as it turned out, because once the hysteria waned, the died with, as opposed to the died of, became an official measure. They, by the way, still die every week, of and with, but no one seems to care now. We seem more gripped looking for forming cyclones in the Pacific than we do a global pandemic and its ravages. In the end, no matter how serious it allegedly got, we hated masks, we hated rules, we hated closed shops, we hated our lives being curtailed, so finding the cause, as we book the ticket for our dose of revenge travel, is clearly of little consequence. Of course, the uh, person who uh, steered this country through the worst of COVID, if indeed we are through the worst of COVID, uh, was Jacinda Ardern. Um, yeah, you know, you remember? Morning, Mike, you gave it to him, but he's 200 times better than that woke that used to be in charge as a national voter. I'm worried he did okay this morning. At least he's on the show fronting up. That is true. My conclusion of Chris Hipkins so far is uh, what I thought of Chris Hipkins previously, and that is he's a decent bloke, he's a perfectly likeable bloke, and he's uh, very well versed in the art of politics. What will undo them eventually is, of course, what we were talking about in terms of health. They can't deliver anything, and you just wait for another couple of months. Once the rain stops and the anger builds in, you know, Gisborne and in Hawke's Bay and in Northland and in Coromandel, uh, you'll see the lack of delivery there as well. This government simply can't deliver stuff. They spend tremendous amounts of money, and they go backwards, and health is a classic example of that. So he fronts better. He sounds better, he's more human, and in that there's the interesting insight to how forgettable Jacinda Ardern is. You think about Jacinda Ardern, when was the last time you thought about her? She's gone, for a person who was so historically omnipresent in our lives, every minute of every day, and how many people, you know, mixture of loved and hated her, when she goes, we're just, we've all moved on. We don't even think about her anymore, and she seems more and more a distant memory and, of course, she seems more and more ordinary. And so I think what he's done is improved their chances. But ultimately, it's the record that counts, and the record hasn't changed. So I'm sitting there listening to Mike say those things, and I'm thinking, oh, she must feel a bit stink when she, if she's listening there, uh, sitting there listening to this. And then, of course, I realise that she, she never listens to this station, so not really a, an issue. Uh, now, uh, fossil fuels, of course, they're, they're causing the end of the world, but unfortunately... Uh, we don't care. In fact, we don't care more than ever at the moment. So India has invoked an emergency law to force power plants to run on imported coal to maximise output. They're expecting a record surge in power usage this summer and they're going to be doing it with coal. So that's India for you. China, I'm reading this morning a new report is out, is opening two new coal plants a week. Approved the highest number of new coal-fired plants since 2015. Many of the projects sprouting up. Gaining permits, obtaining financing, breaking ground apparently in a matter of months. The emissions are more than double the United States of America. So for everything we do, they're doing something different. And then just to give you an insight into how much money is being made into good old-fashioned fossil fuels, a big company out of Australia called Woodside 
uh, who do LNG and all sorts of things in that particular area, they they made last year, listen to this, you ready? They made last year more than $1 million profit an hour. A million dollars profit for every hour of every day of every week of every month last year selling fossil fuels. And once again, I'll just remind you of the documentary Planet of the Humans where uh, they talk about uh, our, the, the sort of the greenwashing and, and our commitment to getting rid of fossil fuels all the while um, using them or in fact how sometimes the renewable energy isn't quite as renewable as you might think. Ah, uh, reality. It's a bitch. Uh, we're going to finish up uh, with uh, a fast car, because why not? you got some money for a car, and when I say money for a car, you'll need about $4 million. It's a thing called the Pinaferina Batista. Uh, it's just done the fastest. It's the fastest production car ever made. Uh, it's owned by Mahindra, which is an Ita- uh, Indian company, but of course they've got the Italian build quality. It's an electric, four electric motors, 1,877 horsepower. 1,877 horsepower, zero to 100, one... 0.79 seconds, did the quarter mile in 8.55, no production car has ever done it in under 9 seconds. All yours for 4 million. So if I got this right, an Indian EV is now the fastest car in the world. I don't know what's happening. I'm Glenn ZB, no change there, uh, and I'll be back with uh, more of my ignorance about what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> really sold that to you, haven't I? See you then. <laughs>